it's a. Plenty of issues to go around that place, you know. But um, but yeah, I mean. But you know, bottom line is, I, I get along with Corey, and Corey does his job. But I, but you can't have a 23 year old running around here. Even though I'm not, not being age discrimination, but it's just too young. are doing paperwork and everything else. He said, I'm going to, and any conflict, like he called, like when they had the thing about the transgender, either, or he called correctly and said, can you deal with it? He didn't know. So you can't be shot. But I do, Tony's a really nice guy, and he's just trying to stay up. And I told him, I said, there's not the Mr. and Mrs. Gore here anymore, and those, that kind of thing. There's money here, but it's personal, and they're going to hold on to it, yeah, yeah. unless there's value. In it. So you got to create value.
us up together this morning with one voice. Nothing shall be impossible. morning, everyone. All right. I'd like everyone to stand up if you're able. Um, you can see we are um, still a partial group. We've got the uh, Jack and Jill lead worship day. Um, uh, but um, and we did uh, we had a ministry for a while called Coath Ministries that we would go around and do some things. And so it's old hat. Um, but we're we want, we're not here to perform. We're here to worship. Uh, an audience of one. His name is Jesus. So that's what we want to do. Um, pray for traveling mercies as the rest of the group is on their way back from a vacation, and we'll gladly have them back with us. Um, and thanks to everybody last week who, who did a great job as I watched, um, whether it's uh, Song, Michelle, and her, her daughter, and uh, Jim. And then, uh, of course, Wes did a fantastic job um, in bringing the message about no gross servant share. So we're going to start with a prayer, and then we're going to worship the Lord. Sound like a plan? All right, here we go. Lord God, we just want to praise you and thank you for who you are. And we just ask that your Holy Spirit just dwell in this place. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. From the highest of heights to the depths of the sea. Revealing your majesty From the colors of fall To the fragrance of spring Every creature unique In this song that it sings All exclaiming Indescribable Uncontainable You place the stars in the sky And you know them by name 
It's who you are, it's who you 
we just give you praise and thank you for who you are and we thank you that you are a good good father god as we do the series on the names of god that we can just know a little bit more about who you are to us we just thank you that even these things are as we started singing that you give us so much stuff and we just take so many things for granted but it's hard to just wrap you into into the box that we want to put you in because you are indescribable and just the things that you have given us are amazing we thank you for everyone here and we ask that your presence just meet us here fill this place in jesus mighty name and everybody says, amen. All right, at this time, say hello to somebody around you. Take three people, say good to see you in church. And uh, um, somebody else, our kids can head to our uh, Haven Kids.
I'm so excited I can't stand myself, so I'll try. I promise. I know I only have one minute. I will be good. Um, I want the youth group to all stand up, and I want their chaperones to stand up, and I want this church to put your hands to heaven because they had an amazing time, and the pictures have just made me cry, and I promised my granddaughter I wouldn't zero her out. Sit down. <laughs> um, I just feel so blessed. My, my, I'm, my body's on fire, and that's fire for Jesus. And to see that youth group up there and to see the excitement that they had and the love that they felt for Christ, I just think it's amazing because we've just got a future in Christ. And that's thank you, Jen and Aubrey and everybody who went. I, just, I don't even know who all went, but thank you. I know some other people went. I saw you in the pictures. So um, I'm sorry. I'll keep going. I'm going to try not to cry. Um, today is Emily's birthday. I hope Facebook was right. Happy birthday. Um, and the boxes were on fire. Um, they had asked us to keep them an extra week. I'm sorry, we didn't lie. We just had to keep them an extra week. Um, they are going out today. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and I think we're up to like 270-something. So we are kicking butt. So we're awesome. Um, also, uh, another praise, June is back. We're getting her walking and talking and kicking butt. And Mark's back there, and they're going to do the leg wrestling after church because they're all healing. Um, and his mom is getting a little better, I hope. And, and Miss Bernie came home this week or yesterday, so we're really happy for her. Um, and I'm trying to do all the positive things first because sometimes I get excited and I miss somebody. So I'm trying to be good. Um, and the pets, we are hooking up some pets out there with blankets and all kinds of food and all kinds of stuff. Thank you all for just being so very, very, very generous. Um, and now we're going to put up some folks for prayers. Jen's going to have eye surgery tomorrow. She's teaching Sunday school. Um, we're going to pray for her eyes. That um, She had an accident, and they're going to go in and look and make sure there's nothing bad going on. So we're going to lift her in prayers. Um, and i got to keep reading down my notes. Emberly, little Emberly. We want to lift her in prayer. She's having some issues with her immune system, so we want to lift her for Laura and John and keep her lifted in prayer every day. Um, safe travels for the Edwards and the Webb family coming home. They'll be back next week, I think. Um, and I want to do a shout out to some of you folks at home, Liz, Jenny, Kim, and Rhonda, and all the others that are out there watching me and making fun of me. Eh. Um, <laughs> I'm going to renegotiate my contract. Um, I also want to lift up, Carol Henson has asked us to lift up Carolyn Slayball. She was taken to the hospital last night on life support and has been transferred to Jefferson. So we do want to be lifting her. Um, the McClusters, McCusters, um, your sister, is uh, Linda, is having major bypass surgery this week. And we definitely want to keep her lifted in, in um in our prayers and that the surgeons have steady hands. Um, Robin Hildebrandt, our good buddy Lisa Bailey, who's doing the PEP project, she is gonna have surgery on Wednesday, so we really need to keep her in prayer. And Ann Sullivan has some heart concerns, so you know, there's a lot of our friends and family out there that we wanna keep praying for. Um, and some of you I know have unanswered prayers and we're, we're praying for you too. We're working on it, okay? So let us um, bow our heads in prayer. 
Let's put our hands on our legs and give it to God. Whatever you woke up with on your heart this morning, give it to God. Let him know, I need this. Talk to him. We always need to talk to God because he hears us. He answers our prayers. And Marge, I did forget your knees. I'm sorry. I just saw her and realized I forgot her knees. We're praying for Marge's knees. And dear Heavenly Father, take these, all of the things that we need to turn over to you. Take the fear out of our hearts. Take the worry out of our mind. Because with you, we know that we have all the answers to everything in our life. We just have to seek it. And now let's lift our hands to God and thank him and praise him and accept everything good that he has to give us because he is generous, he is graceful, and he is full of life. And he, that's what he gives us each and every day. Be with Pastor Jack as he goes through his sermon today and gives us words to live by. Be with every one of that youth group that went and got to experience Jesus firsthand in their hearts. With all these things, I lift in prayer to Jesus to watch over each and every one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys want to put on your flapper costumes and dance around in that one? You'll be tired of it by the end of the series. Don't worry. Um, okay, so um, a couple things. Um, next, uh, well, number one, I want to say, West, if you missed Wes last week, um, he did a great sermon on no, grow, serve, and share, what that means to him. That's our, our mission. I mean, that's our, our, what our belief is. And we want, we believe that everybody should come to know God um, and to, to grow in our faith, um, to serve in whatever role God has given us in our giftedness, um, whether that's spiritual giftedness. And God gave us a personality as well um, to use and then um, to share him in the larger world. We're here because somebody knew God, Grow in faith, grew in faith, um, served, 
and shared Jesus with us. And so that's just the pattern from the beginning. And so we've been working through that process. And that's what our Haven 101 um, and and other classes are. And so we had Haven 101 uh, the other week, which is basically a membership. And our membership class, um, those who who participate in that, who want to join the church, are going to go ahead and we're going to join next week. But as part of that... um, we're also offering after church Haven 201, which is more of a lab. And a lot of people, if um, one of the things that they, they did studies on, and they found out that most Christian people have no clue why they're here. That they don't understand what their purpose is, what gift did this God gave them. So what we're going to do, we're going to take a brief time after church tomorrow, and it's just a lab. You'll, um, you'll do a, um, a personality test, a quiz thing, like questions, and a um, spiritual gift assessment. And then after that, you'll be able to know what your, your kind of personality, what you're geared to. Um, some people, if I ask you to pray out loud in front of this group, you would, um, we'd have to do your funeral afterwards. Um, others would be like, I'd have to have, drag you down so I could get on with the message. Um, but, um, and, and so we, God gave us personalities. There's ingrained personalities that he wants us to use for his kingdom. And then also several spiritual gifts. So that's open to anybody and just stay after church and we'll go ahead. It's not going to take too long at all, um, but we're going to go ahead and find that out because I think it's really, really, really important, um, really, really important to go ahead and and do that, all right? So um, we, we welcome anybody. If you haven't done Haven 101, that's fine. Go ahead. These are kind of like on a rolling rolling schedule, so we want you to go ahead and connect and do that, all right? That's next week after church, okay? Um, you obviously didn't pray very well because the Phillies lost um, to a bunch of cheaters, and they'll go to hell, but that's okay. Um, but no, just joking. Um, so anyway, um, but it's it's all good. We had a, we had a good World, world Series. The Phillies made the World Series, even though... Um, they lost to cheaters, but that's okay. Um, so um, <laughs> God told me they were cheating, and I saw it with my eyes. But anyway, um, so it was, uh, it was good. And um, hey, now, now I can officially move. The poor union should have won. It was a bad day for Philly, but uh, hey, the Eagles are still eight now, so I'll go for it. Um, but anyway, we're going to talk about something more important today and the next few weeks. Um, we're going to focus on kind of like the know part. In other words, to know somebody, you, gotta, you, you can know about somebody right? Uh, name somebody you know about. Guess you don't know anybody, I guess. Uh, anybody know about somebody? Somebody in the world that everybody would know. Yeah, go ahead, Emily. I know Wesley. What? Wesley. Wesley. Okay, so you know him, and you know about him, and you know him. How many of you know Wes? How many know Wesley? How many know about him now? Okay, but some of you don't know him, right? Um, how many know, uh, used to be able to throw presents, I'm going to get groans now, so I don't want to do that. But um, how many of you know about, uh, I don't know, somebody give me a name, give me a, give me a famous name, come on. Um, um, okay, there we go, she went back there anyway. How many, <laughs> how many, know, how many know, know about him? How many know him? Anybody met him? I met him. I've done a funeral um, where he was at and things like that. Some of you rode trains with him and things like that. So, I mean, uh, you know, we can, we can do this time and time again. So there's people we know about. How many of you know about God? Okay, I think we, we went throughout the world. Many people know about God. But we know God by com- coming closer. God wants us to know him and know him intimately. And one of the ways that we know God is to know and, and to know people is that we know names. So like Emily, it's, it, she knows uh, Wesley, and we know Wesley, and some of us call him Wes, and some of us call him Wesley, and some call him Mr. Hewitt, things like that. But the thing is, you guys may have some like nicknames for each other, like Pookie Bear or uh, something. I don't know. 
Is that one? I mean, you can have it. You'll use it, all right? But, but you have those names because she, she knows him deeper than any of us do or can, all right? And so that, that's what, what God wants us to know. So um, names are important, correct? Um, like right now, you know, Emigel's expecting, and, uh, you know, some of you may be expecting or, or might remember when you were, you were pregnant. And, you're, and the big question is, what are we going to name the baby? Anybody remember laboring through that? What are we going to name the baby? And um, it's a real big decision because this kid is going to have to go to middle school and high school with it and, um, and deal with that name. And um, so you better choose well in life. And, and for the family, I'm the family tester. Matter of fact, they didn't know it, but they had a name. And Emigel said, come here. Somebody said this name. And she said, what do you think of? And I immediately go, I am the one. If you want to know if your kid's name will be made fun of, come see me. I will find out every single thing possible. And you will decide whether you want to name him that way. That's just my god gift, all right? Um, and so, so we do that. And, but names are important, correct? Um, how many of you like the name that your parents gave to you? Anybody like that? Anybody have a nickname that you grew up with around family? Anybody wish you had a different name? Okay, there we go. All right, you can see those things. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because I know some families that they don't call, they name people, but they don't call them anything near that. It's a totally different name. And, um, and so there, it, so it's going to take. So I started to look at some of the top uh, ten names. The top ten names right now for girls are Olivia, Emma, Amelia, Ava, Sophia, Isabella, Luna, Mia, Charlotte, and Evelyn. All the top eight are all have an A at the end. Did you realize that? Um, the boys. This one's kind of shocked me. The top boy's name is Liam, Noah, Oliver, Elijah, Mateo, Lucas. Levi, Asher, James, and Leo. So there you go. All right. Um, if you're wondering what Jack's name is, number 22. I made number 22 on the list now. And just to let you know, I have had a great effect on this because in 1971, the year I was born, I was 132. So in my 51 plus years of life, they said, wow, that is a great name because of Jack Cohen. Let's move it up the list. So 100, 100 more up, up the list. All right. Um, but names are a big deal. Names are, are totally a big deal. Like um, when people remember your name, that's a big thing. Like particularly when there's people that you don't expect to really know you. Maybe it's somebody at work, like a boss or a CEO, or, or when you were younger, that person you had a crush on and they knew your name, you're like, oh, you know. Um, and they walk by and say, hey, Billy, how are you? Or whatever. Um, and oh my gosh, they know my name. Oh, you know, you get so excited. Or on the flip side, um, you, you may wish that you were better at remembering people's names. How many of you are good at remembering people's names? <laughs> you guys are in trouble. How many, are, how many are really bad at remembering people's names? How many you don't even know your own name, and that's why you didn't raise your hand? All right. Um, you know, it's, it's funny when you, when you don't know. You ever have those moments when somebody comes up to you and goes, Hey, how you doing? Great to see you, Jack. And you're like, Hey, how are you, buddy? <laughs> hey, girl. Hey, ha. You know, yeah. And, and I'm one of those people, if I don't remember, I like just go on and be like, oh, so how's the family? You know? And they say somebody else, and you're like, okay, well, that one's connected to that one. And I'm doing like this, this logic diagram in my head. And I'm like, well, tell everybody I said hey, and you go on. Um, I, one of the funniest stories ever was when my grandmother, um, years ago, Jill, she and Jill were standing out by Peebles, remember Peebles? And my grandmother was standing out there, and they were waiting for mom to come with a car. And this woman comes up to my grandmother and goes, hey, how are you? Oh, so good to see you. She hugs her. Oh, it's so good. And she walks on, she goes, and Jill goes, who was that? 
my grandma goes, I don't know, but she was so excited to see me. I didn't want to ruin her day. You know what I mean? So it's, so it's funny. We mess up things like that at, um, at different times. And, and, you know, in Christian circles, when we don't know people's names, in some Christian circles, um, I think they do it because they don't remember people's names. Hey, brother, how are you? Hey, sisters. Hey, you know, they do that and they make it easier. Um, but if you want to merely mess with people in those circles, just go up to them and say, what is my name? You know, <laughs> and, and they'll freak out. Uh, brother to me, you know, or whatever. But um, what I thought I'd do, I found, um, I found some things about the funniest names that people have ever heard. I just wanted to start with that one. One person had, and this is from a genealogy site, and they went back in their genealogy and found some people. And one name was Dicey Smelly. Isn't that awful? Um, Dicey Smelly. Um, Let's see what else. Um, One person, I not lie to you, their name was Shufflebottom. Um, uh, There were twin sisters back in the 1840s named Cinderella and Cleopatra. Uh, I know. and I'm not going to give you some of the other ones. Um, one person's name was Will Not Kane. I don't know. Um, let's see. Uh, one person's name was Pit Lick. That's awful. Um, it's disgusting. Um, guess they didn't have deodorant back then. But anyway, um, all right, sorry. Uh, let me see some other ones. Um, Money D. Lee Lace- Yancey was another one. Um, uh, there was a lady named Miss Toilet. All right. Um, So uh, lots of Nimrods, and then they did some research, and they found a child, this is awful, a child born after his father's death, and the mother named him posthumous. You know, like, yeah, really odd. Um, uh, One person named, I gotta love this one, Crystal Glass, and this one is awesome, Bob and Nelly Pancake, all right? So there we go. Um, I would have had to name my kid Blueberry, all right? Um, So here's some other ones I wanted to show you, some of the ones on the internet that are some of the funny ones. Here we go here. Um, This is a person who works for Apple, and his name is Sam Sung. I mean, that is... Wrong company, all right? Hi, I'm Samsung. You go, no, I'm calling Apple. No, Samsung, you know, who's on first? Next one. Here we go. Um, Sad man. I think that's, uh, you know, all right. Next one. Look at this person. Crispy bacon. (laughs) You know, you're hungry. You're around him all the time. You're kind of hungry for breakfast. I don't know. Um, Next one. Hitler Mussolini. I mean, could you come up with better names than that? All right, here we go. Next one. Cooking with poo. I would not eat any food that is cooked at this place by this person, all right? You know, hey, we're going to have some poo food. No, thank you. All right, next one. Batman bin Superman. I mean, and, and, and bin means son of. So this is like Batman's son of Superman. Is that the coolest name ever? So I just thought those were pretty funny, all right? Um, okay, so we can laugh, but names really are important. And, and the Bible names are extremely important. It's more than just what you call someone. Um, it's more than just get, to get uh, in touch with conversation. Throughout the, the, um, the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, names are given and they mean something very importantly. Uh, and, and the names of God are extremely important. And this is one of those areas where English limits us because we just have one word for God. And we say God, and we may say Lord, but we're going to explain some of these things here. And, we, and you know, a lot of times when we say God, we just feel like it's, it's so far, he's so far removed from us. And, um, and so in this series, we're going to talk about a few of the names of God. I could be here for an eternity if I wanted to. But each of these names of God, they have different facets of God's character. And, um, and they all have a story behind them. And, and that's really important. Because um, I'm going to say this, 100% of us 
here have a skewed perspective of God. Every single one of us have some kind of skewed perspective of God. Because over time, we've grown spiritually, and we'll get to know God deeper and deeper and more and more. But God is bigger than even our understanding and what we can imagine. We so we have these different views of God, and many of us have a different view of God by how we grew up in um, maybe the, the church environment or the non-church environment they had, based off things that we heard, based off of things that we've seen, based off experiences we've had. And so we all have some kind of personal skewed view of God. And, um, and if we have a skewed view of God, then it's going to skew our relationship with him as well. And so some of us have a, a skewed view of God that God is just like waiting for us to mess up so we can part our head with a lightning bolt. And, and we have those other things that God is just love and doesn't care anything that we do in, in those areas. And in this series, um, once we really know a little bit more about who God is and about how, and, and his nature, that's going to change everything. And and so we just want to have an opportunity to say, God, I want you to adjust the views, the wrong views that I have of you and to know who you really are. So today we're going to start with, um, with the first word. It's an aspect of God's character that is, uh, it's really hard to grasp, but it's really important because of all the other names, um, this may be the most important one. And why do I say that? Because when God was asked, what is your name? This is what he said. Uh, the other names that we have of God come about because of things that he's done. Like we'll talk about Jehovah Jireh in a, in a couple of weeks. And that's about God, the provider. And so why? Because God provided um, a ram when uh, he told Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. And so God provides. And so it was an understanding of what God did that allowed them to have this name about them. For instance, when I coached um, a lot, people would call me coach because of my experience in coaching and doing that. So your, what roles you meet people in, ways you connect, that goes ahead and speaks to you. So, but this one is what God calls himself. And, um, and so it's revealing a lot about his character. And I believe it's at the core because today is that name. When you say, God, when he was asked, well, what is your name? And he says this particularly, and it's better than you think. And um, that it's the name Yahweh. Everybody say with me, Yahweh. All right, there we go. And we're going to talk about this. Now, the story is in Exodus, okay? And as, uh, as far as we know, this is the first time that God ever mentioned this name, at least in the scriptures. And so when you think about Exodus, who do you think of? Anybody know? Moses, right. We say Moses. So you may have seen the Prince of Egypt movie, or you may have seen the Ten Commandments. I think Charlton Heston. Um, but we know a little bit about Moses' story. We know that Moses grew up when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, and Egypt was the most powerful nation in the world. And Pharaoh... Um, I gotten to the point where we talked about Joseph the other week. And remember how Joseph rose to power? Well, the Israelites were in this really nice area called Goshen. And they multiplied and they had lots of kids. And Pharaoh got nervous that they were going to, this new Pharaoh came in and got nervous that they were going to revolt. So he turned them into slaves. All right. And so um, Pharaoh said, enough of this. So what we're going to do to limit population is we're going to go ahead and boys such an age, we're going to kill, we're going to tell um, the midwives and everybody just kill the Hebrew 
the Israelite, the Jewish babies, um, boys before they, they come along. So Moses' mother um, didn't want him to die, so she put him in a little uh, basket boat, put him in, in the Nile. Uh, many people believe along the side of the Nile, not like send him down the rapids and like, go ahead. Um, but put him in a place where um, he floated along, and where he floated along, there was uh, Pharaoh's daughter that was there, and she found him, scooped him up, pulled him into the palace, raised him in Pharaoh's household. And as he gets older, he realizes that he is not, that's where you get the term prince of Egypt, but he gets this, um, he gets the learning, actually his mother helped um, nurse him and train him and other kinds of stuff. So he got to know that he was not Egyptian, but he was actually one of the Hebrew people, all right? So as he, he grew in that, you can imagine the 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 personality conflict, the struggle between who he thought he was and who he, who he is. And so one day he sees an Egyptian slave master beating a Hebrew and Moses reacts and he kills the person and buries him. And somebody from the Israelites saw that and they didn't really know. They viewed him as an Egyptian and they said, what are you going to kill us too? So Moses took off and he, he left and he uh, leaves Egypt as a fugitive and goes to a place called Midian, which is in the middle of nowhere. He marries and works for his father, Jethro. Um, and he works as a as father-in-law, and he works um, as a shepherd. So this is where our story begins. So Moses has been there for, for decades, and he's taking care of the sheep, and he's up in this mountainous area, he's taking care of sheep, and he gets up there, and then all of a sudden, um, he sees a bush. And it's what type of bush? There we go. And the bush is on fire, but it's not burning up. And um, and it's really odd to him. So he's like, why is that not burning up? I'm going to go take a look at that. So he thought that was going to be interesting enough. As he gets closer, the bush starts to talk to him. All right. Um, and I'd be wondering, like, I've been around sheep way too long. But it begins to talk to him. And I don't know what Moses says, but we do know what God says. Um, God says, hey, Moses. I've, he basically said, take off your shoes, it's holy ground. And bottom line is this, I've decided that it's time to pull my, my people out of Egypt and to rescue them from slavery and to take them to the land that I have promised for them, which is called the promised land, the one that I gave through covenant through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and it's time to bring them back. And Moses is like, awesome, great plan, that sounds awesome, God. Go for it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to cheer you on. He says, oh, but one other thing. You're the one who's going to lead them out. And Moses says, excuse me? He said, I've been hanging out with sheep. I can't even talk well. You know, I, he comes up with all these different excuses. And they go through this discussion. And um, you can imagine Moses, like, how am I supposed to do this? Number one, I'm a fugitive from there. Number two, I can't speak well. Number three, I've been out with these sheep too long. And I don't know if the Israelites like me. I know that the Egyptians don't. So I got problems. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. And a lot of, I think a lot of times, here's a note, that a lot of times I think we might get frustrated when we look at the world and what's going on and how it's broken um, and, and just we see a broken area and we say, God, why don't you do something? I mean, God, can't you do more in that area? And the reality is that God generally works through his people and um, people like Moses and you and me. So you, and the bottom line is this, and this is the whole, whole theme of what we exist for, is that in knowing God, that God has gifted each of us and called us to do something for his kingdom. So if you get really passionate or you get really frustrated about things that are broken, maybe, just maybe, that is where God is calling you to. 
Um, I've had people before that shared, shared something with me, and they're like, oh, and this is happening this year. And meanwhile, I'm like, okay, great, but I have no passion for it. I have none whatsoever. You know why? Because that's not what God's calling me to. And so I think the church needs to be a place where we, we connect people with what their calling and their passion is to the giftedness of God and, and, and um, have people work through that. So let's go back to Moses. Moses has, obviously has some concerns about God's plan. He's like, okay, I'm supposed to go back to Egypt. I got to talk to millions of Israelites. Um, I got to let them know I was out in the wilderness. Let me see how this sounds. I was out in the wilderness walking with sheep, um, and I saw a bush that was burning, but it didn't burn up. It was on a mountain, and the bush told me to tell you guys, all millions of you guys, to pack up, and to uh, we're going to go on a journey through the wilderness, and um, it's going to be a good place. It's, they got milk and honey there. You guys ready to go? And they'd be like, can you lock the sucker up? You know, I mean, that's where it's going to be. And you can imagine what he's saying. And then, wait, wait, that's not it. Then I'm supposed to go to Pharaoh, and they don't like me very much there, um, and say, hey, you know your whole labor force that's, that's building all these awesome things that people years from now are going to come and stand outside with cameras and look at? I mean, it's going to be a really good tourist attraction. All those, all those, your labor force that's building all that stuff, by the way, they all quit. <laughs> Have a good day. Yeah, it's not going to work out that way. So you can imagine what Moses is feeling in this time. And so he has a lots of objections and say, you know, Bush God, I don't really think I'm the right one. And so one of the objections, though, relates to the name of God, and that's where we're going to really take off here today. So he says, okay, okay, God, let's say I do do this. I go up to the Israelites, and I say to them, hey, I can't just say Bush God told me to come here because they don't have a bush god, but, you know, burning bush god, whatever you want to say. What, what do I say to them? What am I going to say? What, what, I'm, they're going to ask, what God told you this? And see, that tells you a little bit about Moses' theology. Because Moses was raised in Egypt, a very polytheistic culture, where they had hundreds and hundreds of gods. Um, and he also was a Midian, where by and large Midian, I mean, the world was very polytheistic at this time, um, except for the covenant between Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All right, and you can throw Ishmael in there because God, we talked about that this week in, in Disciple, how, how um, he, they believed in God as well and God would hear him. Um, so here we are, and he says, which God name should I use? Now the cool thing is here, God doesn't get angry. God doesn't say, sit down and let me give you a good class on monotheistic theology and then you can go to Egypt. No, God doesn't do that. Um, and he says, he says, God, who should I say? And, and God does something really awesome. He meets us where, where we are. He meets Moses where he is. And he says, okay, let me tell you my name. I'm going to tell you my name. And that's the name we're focused on today. And God replied, here it is, in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 14, it says, And God replied to Moses, I am who I am. And that is the term Yahweh, Yahweh that we are using today. Now, I don't know about you, but... I am who I am. Popeye God does not do much for me, right? I am what I am, you know, like, okay. You know, and, but then he says this. He says, this is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, and anytime, this is a little hint, in your Bible, whenever you see the Lord, and that should actually be like small capitals, anytime you see that in your, in your Bible, the Lord, that is a direct reference to the name Yahweh, all right? 
the small capital. So you can, uh, that might be something that you didn't know. And I messed it up on the slide. But the Lord, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, here's what it says, um, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. So if you ever want to know what God's name is, what he calls himself, it is what? Yahweh. Yahweh. That's exactly it, which we translate as the Lord. I am, or extended, I am who I am. The Jewish people have actually taken this to another level. I don't think it's fully what God intended, but they, they considered the name of God so holy that they don't often, they don't say it. And when they write it, many don't write it fully because it's too holy to write. But God said, this is what I want to be called for generation to generations. Yahweh simply means I am or I am who I am. And again, that doesn't tell us a lot, but it tells us a whole bunch. It's like if you, if like, it's kind of like this. You say, hey, how's life going? You go, it is what it is. And you go, well, that don't tell me anything. It is what it is. Or, or if somebody in your family at the end of the day and everybody's home at dinner says, how was your day? Was what it was. All right. All good. You know, like, what, what's that supposed to mean? But today we're going to look at Yahweh and, let's, and we're going to actually learn some things uh, more about God than we think um, we could ever know. I am who I am says what? There's two things that I want to look at here, and then we're going to get into some descriptions of God's I amness, all right? When God says, I am who I am, it reveals that God is a personal being. God is personal. God is personal. It tells us that he is a person. Everybody say, God is a person. That God, there's an intimacy here. It's not like some, some mystical force that's out there. Um, it's not... Um, it's not just this thing in the universe, um, this force in the universe. And that's where a lot of people like to say that, you know, God is just like mist and God is just, whoo. You know, God does not allow for that. I am who I am. He's saying I am. So you can't say I'm this, I am. All right? And God's very clear about that. Don't tell me, don't, don't be saying that I'm just, whoo, you know, out there. I am. And you're going to honor me because I am. I'm here. All right. Um, he's a person that can be known and he wants a person in the larger sense that can be known. And it's huge. He wants an, a relationship with us from the beginning of when he created Adam and Eve. That God in one of his other names, Elohim, which is a plural, we'll get to some of those. But he's, he created them for fellowship with each other, that God wanted relationship with us. That God wanted that connection. Not that God needed it. God wasn't like lonely and like, oh, the universe is bad. No, God wanted to love us and created us to love us. So we, we need to recognize that he's a personal being. And, you know, we have this culture that likes, wants to minimize God to something. You know, you can't minimize the creator of the universe. He, we sang a song, he's indescribable, but yet we keep wanting to describe him as a, a mist or a force or a, a thing. He is I am. He has a, 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 a relationship that he wants to have with us. I'm so thankful that you know, that God drew us together. Some people say, oh, the universe brought, no, the universe didn't being squat together. God put the universe together. And, um, and it's only by his hand holding it together that it stays together or else it all fall apart. So that's the first thing, that God, the God of the Bible is a person and is a big thing. The second thing is, God is who he is, I am who I am, apart from our opinion about who he is and regardless of what we think about him. We live in a time where everybody thinks that their opinion is truth. 
Did you find that? And you know what our opinion is? Our opinion. None of us knows everything. None of us understands everything. God is not a product of our imagination. It's not like you have your version of God, I have my version of God, they have their version of God, and we all sit and sing kumbaya. That's not how it works. God says, I'm not allowing you to create in your mind who I am. I am who I am. You understand that? I am this, and I am who I am. You can't understand who I am, so I'm just going to tell you, I am who I am, or I'll be what I'll be, because that's all you can understand. I am not who you say I am. I am who I am. All right? That's an important concept for us to grasp. Sometimes people talk and say, well, you know, my God would never do that, or my God, you know, is like this. God is not a product of our imagination or our opinion. God exists beyond our beliefs, beyond our imaginations, because he is who he is. He is who he is, whatever he is, and whatever he wants to be. And what I think about does not change God. It changes my, my concept of God, but my concept is as good as nothing when God says, I am, and his nature. For instance, anybody, I, I couldn't find one. We had a billion of them back in the day, but I think they're locked up in the attic somewhere, and I don't want to crawl through the mess. But anyway, anybody ever done a Build-A-Bear? Anybody? Who's, that, who's ever done a Build-A-Bear, right? And, and you go, you, I, you know, and now they have them everywhere, but I remember going into the place, and you go in and you pick out, like, the stuffed head with, um, or, like, the little, little skin there, and you go over that thing, and you pick out what color you want, and you go ahead and go, and you fill it with that little stuff. Anybody remember this? And you pay an ungodly amount at the end, you know, but, and you're doing it, and then they give you, now, you want to take the heart and warm it up, and, put it in there, you put a heart in it, and then it, you can record something and put it in there so it has like a voice. Or, it, you guys know what I'm talking about here? All right. And then you sew it up and you give it a name. And you're like, this is my Build-A-Bear. And Miguel named one Smelly Flowers, I think. No, no, Smelly Flowers are a fish. What was it? Princess Valala. That's what it was. I don't know why. Um, but uh, Smelly Flowers was our fish. Don't worry about it. Um, but uh, so, so you have this thing that you created. And many of us don't only have Build-A-Bear, but we have Build-A-God. And we want to go ahead and we want to say, well, I want my God to, and I want my God to, and then I want him to look like, and I want to just, here's my God. Oh. And, and we want God to respond in the voice that we think God should. We want God to say the things that make us feel comfortable. When honestly, God says, I am who I am. I'm not built a God. And you can't do that to me. You can't do that to me. And that's not God. I am who I am. Still, it says a lot, but it still begs the question. And so Moses must say, okay, I am, well, that, what does that mean? And about 30 chapters later in Exodus, Moses is going to get to this point to say, well, God, what does that mean? He's going to say a lot more about God. But at least at this point from the burning bush, he trusts God enough, and he's got enough of a relationship with God to go ahead. And then he gets to this point with Ten Commandments of the Law and other things, and he has this relationship. He says, now God, show me your glory. That's what he begins to say. In other words, this is the Bible way of saying, okay, God, show me who you are. I want to know who you are. Tell, you know, I, I've trusted that you are, I am, but I want you to show me some of your I amness. What is this I amness that is in you? I want to know who you are at the core of your existence. And God is going to oblige, and this is a really awesome section here in Exodus 33. And we're going to be in verse 19. And it says this And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness. To pass in front of you. That's a big clue right there 
to what God's I amness is. God doesn't say, I'm going to stay here because you're going to see all my greatness. And I'm going to stroll down like I'm Ric Flair in the pro ring. Woo! You know, God's not coming out of heaven going, woo! You know, that's not God. He's not saying, I'm going to show you all my power and flexing like Arnold Schwarzenegger going down to the ring. God's not doing that. God's not going to be angry and scare people and say, yeah, this is all my anger and wrath. He's not going to say, here's all my strength. Why? Because of the core, God says, I'm going to have all my goodness pass in front of you. And the cool thing is Moses had to hide his face because the goodness of God is so overwhelming that we're convicted of our own sinful nature just at the sight of a little bit of God's goodness. Because God is good at the core. At the core of God, he is good. Yes, he's powerful. Yes, he's strong. Yes, he's great. Yes, all those things. But he's going to display all of his goodness because that is what, when God says, I am, the first thing that he goes to is I am good and loving. And then he says this. He says, I will pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name. There it is in capitals. What does he say? I'm going to proclaim my name, what? Yahweh, the Lord, in your presence. In your presence, I'm going to do that. I will proclaim I am who I am. And I'm going to show you who I am. And he says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Does this sound like, like your view of God? Or the view of God that's out there? This doesn't sound like when, when I hear I am, I hear that voice, I am, in the fire. And, but I hear God going, I am good and I am compassionate, and I have mercy, and I have love, and I have care, regardless of what you're going through. I am that. I'm a good, good father, is what he says. And that's what he leads. This is what he leads with. I'm good, I have mercy, and I have compassion. And that's God. So the question is, why is he talking about mercy and compassion? Well, because... That is part of his name. And, and what we're going to do, we're going to look at Exodus 34, 5 through 7. And this is the New International Version, but with Jack's translation. So it's Jack's New International Version. All right? And what I did here is I want to bring out the Yahwehs and see how important it is for God to say, I am who I am. And what is that? I'm good. I have mercy. I have compassion, I have love. That's who God is. And let's, let's look at this. It says, Then Yahweh came down in a cloud. He took his place beside Moses there, and he called out the name, Yahweh. Isn't that cool that God calls out his own name? He's like, Yo, Yahweh. Okay? And then next, Yahweh passed in front of him and called out, Yahweh, Yahweh. I am who I am. I am who I am. I am who I am. And who are you? A God compassionate and gracious, slow to get angry, overflowing with love and always faithful, unwavering in my, in my committed love for thousands, forgiving wickedness, transgressions, and sin, and holding responsible for generations the guilt of the fathers. God is at this point saying, here's God's great interest. Boom, Moses is up there. We focus on Ten Commandments and all kinds of stuff, but God goes, Whew, God says, now you get to see who I am. And can you imagine your Moses, you're standing there, you're seeing this cloud, and all of a sudden, boom, God's standing next to you, and you're like, hmm? And then he walks in front of him. He's having his goodness pass in front of him. And then he starts saying, like, like you're standing there, and all of a sudden, you, God comes and says, Yahweh. And you go, Yahweh, Yahweh. He screams. He said, I am who I am. And Moses is getting the fullness 
of the goodness of God around him. The goodness, the love, the compassion and mercy, it's flowing around him. Meanwhile, uh, the Israelites are doing their thing. But the goodness of God is, God's saying, this is who I am. You want to know who I am? This is who I am. It's not that he's something else. God can't be something else. This is his nature that he's saying. He will never be any other way because this is who he is. He's unchanging. He's an unchanging God. And when he's sharing this, this is what we can, we can lean on, that this is the core of who God is, and that whatever perspective we have in our minds, that God is just waiting to dangle us over the fires of hell because some way we messed up. That's not what I read when God says who he is. And God uses several different descriptions in this section here about his I am this, and that's what we're going to spend the remainder of our time doing, okay? So here we go. Trade tables up, seat backs in the upright position, seat belts on. Here we go. The first thing God is, that he says, I am, I am compassionate. I am compassionate. It's interesting where he starts because the word in Hebrew actually is a word that relates to uh, the word for, for a womb. And it's, it's, here's the picture of a mom who has a baby in her womb. Now, I've never been a mom with a baby in my womb, um, but I have known many people who have been expecting, and of course in our own family, uh, the same. And what I've observed about that, and I can imagine that for a mother who has uh, this child forming in their womb, that in, in you and in your heart, it's all about the baby, right? I've seen people who could never stop smoking, stop smoking for that child. I've seen people who have been through like gestational diabetes and other kinds of things just stop, you know, and, and go on completely different diets, all for the betterment of the compassion and the love that they have for that child that's developing. Everything just switches all of a sudden. As you're a different person and your focus goes from being you to being taking care of this child. And God is saying, that's what I'm like. That even though the world is here, I am compassionate and I just stop to make sure you're taken care of. Everything changes just to make sure you're good. Second thing is God is gracious. God is gracious. And grace is giving somebody what they do not deserve. It's not just not giving you what you don't deserve, but it's way beyond. It's giving you what, you what you really don't deserve at all. It's related to generosity. God is generous. Now, if you've ever prayed or just hoping that God will be generous to you, or maybe you, you're a generous person, if you can think in your mind right now, the most generous person that you've ever had in your life, God is way, way, way more generous than that ever. So he's generous. This is one that I think that we all have a skewed view of God, that many of us have a skewed view of God, is this, that he is slow to get angry. I think wrongly the church, as perspective, dangled us over the fires of hell. Hell is a reality. But that's, God sent his son because he is so loving, and he's done everything possible to make it possible for us to be with him. This is God's nature, to slow to get angry. He does not have his finger on the trigger, waiting for that lightning bolt to, shoot, to part you through the skull. He's patient. Now, who here would say that you, you're pretty good. You don't get angry very often. How many people don't, don't feel like you're, you're, okay, there's a couple of you. All right. Um, how many of you are angry right now because you don't like I'm asking you a question if you're angry? I mean, uh, 
All right, okay. How many, how many, in other words, how many of you are pretty fast to get angry? You've got a short, you can go, all right? Um, and um, you got a temper? Anybody got a temper? Anybody got a temper that kind of gets you in trouble? Yeah, all right. Um, some of you are really slow to get angry. Some of you are, are, are like slothful with anger. Um, and, um, and you anger the people who have a quick temper because <laughs> you're so slothful. Um, and you get, there's people who are slow to anger. You give people a lot of leeway, don't you? And the people who, who love you and care about you, they get angry really quickly. They're like, I don't know why you're doing it. I go tell them and I'd be like, and they turn green and rip their clothes, right? Um, we have that. And then others just explode. God is a whole other category of slow to anger. And I think the sad thing is many of us exist that if God, that God is ultra angry, that he's just waiting. People, Jack messed up. Boom, that's what's going to happen. Oh, why is this happening to me? Because God just must hate me. No. Because remember, he's compassionate and he's generous and he's slow to anger. That's not God. That's not what God intended for those things. So, so many of us have this, this kind of anger thing. Number four, um, he's overflowing with love and he's always faithful. If you go into God's presence, no matter who you are, no matter what um, you've done, no matter how big you've messed up, no matter what you think you deserve, and you, pr- and you and I probably both deserve everything that we think we deserve. All you get from God when you come into his presence is overflowing love. Not judgment, but overflowing love. Why? Because that's his nature. When, God, when you say, God, when I mess up, who are you? He says, I am overflowing with love. I'm overflowing with love. It never runs out. God's like, nah, I gave you love yesterday. Sorry. Come back Tuesday. You know, that's not God. And he's always faithful. He's always faithful. You can always count that God is the same. He's the same. He's the same compassionate, generous, slow to anger, loving God that is there. He does not change. And that, and, and the thing is, you can, he always keeps his promises, always faithful. That's what gets us to the next part. Of that overflowing love, it's unwavering and committed love. This Hebrew word that is translated this way is unwavering committed love is actually one word, all right, in Hebrew. And it's often translated love or faithfulness. Um, But, um, you know, here here we go. I'm going to have you... um, I'm going to have you say this, it's actually, we would say hesed, but it's actually chesed. So, you know, put your hands up in front of you and so put a loogie on the back of somebody's neck. But ready? Here we go. Chesed. Chesed. Here we go. All right. Yeah, you, li- you like the term unwavering committed love better, don't you? Um, all right. Um, but it means that it's, it's a loyal, committed, co- covenantal love that God relates us with a covenantal love. It's relationship-based. And, you know, several times throughout the scripture, they use the the issue of, of marriage, that marriage is a relationship with vows at the center of it. And the vow supersedes feelings or emotions or pledge based on mutual commitment and mutual covenant. In our culture, it, not only in that, but we, every relationship, whether it's friendships, um, whether it's uh, work, whether it's churches, whether it's ideology, whether it's faith, whatever, we float from thing to thing to thing. We don't understand the, the, the nature of commitment as much anymore. Like, 
you know, in, in, in friendships or other kinds of things. And why? Because I think we're, we're too individualistic. But God is not. God is not. God is saying, look, I'm loyal and I'm, I'm committed to you. I'm not going anywhere and I will always have your best interests in mind. And like the Bible says somewhere else that you can deny me, but I won't deny you is what God says. When we begin a relationship with him, we begin a covenant relationship with him and he always keeps it. Number six, he is forgiving and just. God is by nature, is a forgiving, he's quick to forgive. Even though he's slow to anger, he's quick to forgive. All right, so you can, God, things that would, I think, I think in many ways we are the opposite of God. We are slow to forgive and quick to get angry, quick to get frustrated. You just have to talk to him, he's ready to do that. You know, um, it, it, here's one of the things, though. You notice at the end of that section, he says, he, he's quick to forgive, but in the end of our early section, it says that he, he uh, it says he's forgiving wickedness, transgression, and sins, and holding responsible the generations, the guilt of the fathers. And that seems like, seems like Sesame Street, which one of these things is doing its own thing. Doesn't seem like two different, uh, several different things there. Um, but, you know, one of the things that we say is one of these things doesn't mean you're thinking, yeah, it doesn't fit, but it really, it really doesn't. God is saying, if I'm ready to forgive, come to me and seek forgiveness so I don't have to hold that against you. Because Scripture tells us once you come to him with earnest forgiveness, that he forgives and forgets it and moves on. Because God's love demands justice, and that's why he's forgiving and just. So God just can't be ultra-loving and be like, eh, it's okay, you know. He's got to have justice, that's here as well. We would not think a God is just, is loving if he's not just. You know, it, it, you know, it, it just doesn't work. And we look in the world and we see people who are treated with injustice. We see victims of corrupt leaders and other powers. And you think, God, why did you do something? Because love demands that you do something and you can't let this happen. And God, the Bible tells us this though. God, the Bible tells us this in James, it tells us this, that God is, not in James, excuse me, that God, God is storing up his wrath and his justice and he will pour it out. God is slow to anger because he's hoping that every single person turn to his son. That's what he wants. He wants all of them to come to him. He wants everybody to know him and grow and to serve and to share in what he has for heaven. And he's waiting and he's waiting for one. He's doing everything. Just one more. I can see Jesus. Just one more, daddy. Just one more. Just one more. Just one more. Because that's the heart of the father. Just one more. Just one more. Just one more. And God says, yeah, because his justice means that he's going to have to pour out his wrath eventually to all those who don't accept his son. The good news, though, is in James chapter 13, James chapter 2, verse 13, it says, God's mercy triumphs his judgment. Justice is what we see at the cross of Jesus. At the cross, God didn't say, eh, whatever, regarding sin. But God is just and said, here's my son. Jesus came and took the punishment for us, and he did that on the cross. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, God made him who had no sin become sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God that through Jesus all our mess is made, made right. Jesus took the penalty for you and for me. And God in his grace took away that penalty so that he doesn't have to hold on 
to his wrath for generation to generation. Because as soon as this, we accept the gift, the free gift that his son of his life that he gave to us and said, here I am. That every time my sin goes there and I've sought forgiveness, Jesus says, I paid for it, daddy. I paid for it. Because his love, his mercy supersedes his wrath. And we should all be thankful for Jesus that we don't have to face that judgment the judgment of God because of the love of God through Jesus Christ. You see, everyone on the planet can know God in two means. You can know God's, and everybody will. You're either going to know God by his grace and mercy or by his judgment. And if I'm you, I'm going to put my money on the first one and accept Jesus. It's your choice, though. It's your choice. When we put it all together, let's read again the uh, Jack New International Version and what we know about what God sa- who God says he is. And let's look at it all together. Then Yahweh came down in the cloud and he took his place beside Moses there and he called out the name Yahweh. Next, Yahweh passed in front of him and he called out, Yahweh, Yahweh, I am who I am. And who is it? I am a God compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with love and always faithful, unwavering in my, in my committed love for thousands, forgiving wickedness, transgressions and sins. And that's my mercy, but I'm just, and I am holding responsible for generations of the guilt of the fathers. God, the real God, the great I am, I am who I am is way better than you and I could ever come up with with a build a bear or a build a God. He's way beyond what we can imagine. And his love for you, his compassion for you, his commitment for you is way beyond anything that you and I could ever comprehend. As we begin to initially grasp that when somebody tells you, hey, you better not do that because God's going to get you. You can say, wait, wait a second. Yahweh, committed, loving, compassionate, faithful, just, overflowing with forgiveness. That's my God, because that is I am. It doesn't matter whether he's my version of God, he is Yahweh. And as we begin to initially grasp, and then once we know him, we want to grow in him. We want that relationship to grow a little bit more and a lot more, and it changes everything. It changes about how we view God and how we live a life, especially this Christian life. The New Testament talks so much about this. And we're going to read a passage to wrap this up that is an incredible prayer related to the New Testament of what we, we've said. And, and there's questions, you know, in my life, I don't know about you, but in my life I've had several times where I have lots of questions for God. Anybody ever have times you just have a lot of questions for God? And you really, you know, and, and you start to look at that. And, and God, when you have those questions, a lot of times you have this list of questions you're going to God, but God starts to do something else. And then what, you, what God starts to say is, I want, I want you to understand who I am. Your questions go by the wayside when you really know who I am. You know, I don't have to worry about tomorrow if I realize he's faithful. I don't have to get concerned that I'm not loved by God when I really know I am says I'm loving and abounding in love. Several times I've had my list of questions for God, and, and a lot of times over the last couple of years, a lot were about my, my life and the things around me and my role as a pastor for this church, the future of the church. Um, what, uh, you know, in January, um, this January 2023, 
Um, it'll be 15 years that this church has been in existence. Um, and over that time, there's been a lot of shifting and changing in the world, in cultures and personality. I'm getting older, so what does ministry look like? You know, I had questions about just church in general, about culture in general, and about, you know, how everything has shifted in a post-pandemic world. And they really seem like good questions. I think they are. And yet, in the times when I've been really concerned and tried to lift those up and wrestle with God, there's been times where he said, hey, guess what, Jack? I'm like, what? He says, I don't care. I'm like, he goes, well, I do care. We can get to those things, but I don't care about them right now. And I'm like, why not, God? These are my questions. Come on. And then you try to do that guilt thing to God, like, you know, I'm doing it for you, you know? <laughs> it doesn't work. But what I started to, re to really believe, that's the reason why this series is that, and the reason for this church, what I really believe is that God cared about more than the questions. And, you know, God's not in heaven going, oh, pandemic, oh, culture, oh, they say this about me. That's not God. He knew it was going to happen. What God really cares about is revealing his heart and nature to me and you in a way that I did not know, understand, or expect. Isn't that what he did with Moses? Hey, you're going to go to this Moses. Like, hey, which one am I going to send? He said, I am. Right, what's that mean? Just go. He goes, and then he says, now you're going to see who I am. As a church, we do some really great things. I mean, these boxes are just a portion of that. Um, Haiti, we're going to talk about that in, in January to update people uh, just about what, how God has been awesome there. There's lots of visions, lots of ideas, lots of serving, lots of giving, and all those flow from amazing ways of knowing and loving God. And there's other, other amazing ways. But what I really believe, the main thing that God wants, the thing that I care about, the thing that I really believe the heart of God is, is that these things flow from one thing, they, that God wants us to represent the heart of God, of I am, accurately to the people that he loves that, and those who don't know him. Because so many people don't know how good God is. So why did he need to pass his goodness? Because Moses knew about God, but he didn't know the goodness of God. A lot of people think he hates them or he's angry or he's not interested and he's, not, he's just waiting for them to, um, to just zap them or he's so far removed. And guess what? The church universal has been very good slash bad about telling people that that's who God is because of how you live, because of what you say, because of what you do, because of what political affiliation, all that kind of crap that God does not care about. So God says, I don't care. I want you to know me and know I am who I am. And regardless of who wins elections, regardless of what happens, I am who I am. And that does not change anything. Yeah, those things are important, but I am. And I will be who I will be is what God says. So in this prayer, it's a prayer that I'm going I'm to use right now. It's from the Apostle Paul, and it comes from Ephesians 3.14. Just ask that you be in an attitude of prayer. It's to the Ephesian church. And he writes this. He says, For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all God's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ.
and to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure and the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all, than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. It's interesting, in the Gospel of John, John, who's attributed to writing the Gospel of John, um, Revelation, and most scholars believe the first two and maybe the third one, but John was there. And in his writings, John never refers to himself as John or says I or says he or whatever. So you know why? Because he came to know Jesus and he always refers to himself in the third person. It's like anybody Seinfeld fans? Remember the Jimmy? Jimmy does this. Jimmy's been watching you. Jimmy likes Elaine. Jimmy's new in town, okay? Anybody ever met anybody like that who talks about themselves, okay? John talks about himself in that way, but he does it differently. He says, the disciple whom Jesus loved. You know why? Because he experienced the love of God in his life. And he knew regardless of whatever else, he was not John. He was the disciple whom Jesus loved. My prayer is that you can be the same thing. And in John 1, 12, he says, Yet to all receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that love and that commitment and that knowledge is what made John pen the words, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For Yahweh sent his Son. So I'm going to ask that you stand and, and we close out this service today as we, as we pray. And um, and as we're at this moment, I don't know what, um, where, where you're from or or what background you have, or, or any of that. But just this time, just, take, just stop and ask God to reveal I am to you. Reveal that compassion. Reveal that love. Reveal his, his Holy Spirit to you. Lord God, we come to you right now during this time. We're asking who is sending us, who is calling us, who is with us. We don't fully understand the magnitude of who you are, but in this time we just ask that your Holy Spirit just come to us and and speak to us. God, we need an I am. We, we have so many different confusing things in life and we're not quite sure about what tomorrow has. But we need to know the, the fact that you just love us. And if, you, if we come in your presence, we're just going to have overwhelming love. So Lord, right now, somebody needs to know your compassion. Somebody needs to know that you're slow to anger. Somebody needs to know that what others, maybe other Christians have said, have, have gotten you off the path of the calling that you've placed on their life, but you say, hey, I don't care about that. I want you to know the fullness of my love and just know me. Because I am who I am. Some here today have never, ever begun 
the process of just opening up their lives to Christ. To say, Jesus, you paid the price on the cross. You love me. I don't understand all that, but I want to know. I want to bask in your presence. I want to to seek your face. Whatever all that churchy stuff means, God, I just need to know that you are who you are. That you're not somebody who hates me because of what I've done. That you're not somebody who, who holds everything against me and is just waiting to zap me. But God, that you do, you want a relationship with me. And that you're slow to anger and you're abounding in love. And I just need that right now. If that's you, you just say, Jesus, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't get it all, but I just need, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it on the line and just say, here I am. Because I want to know the God of mercy and grace, not the God of, of justice and wrath. So God, in this place, as people begin to lift up their hearts and when people are online or wherever they're hearing this and the sound of my voice, that they may say, you know, I need a Savior. I need somebody to right this ship. I need a, I need a close God, a, a personal God, and that's you. Reveal yourself to me. And for those of us who may have been around this game for a while and we're like, yeah, I've accepted the Lord, but I just feel distant from God because maybe because you had a God of judgment and wrath who was dangling over the fires of hell or you had a God who was so far removed or one who's angry at you all the time. And, and God says, no, 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 that's not, I'm Yahweh. I am who I am. I want to I get near to you. I want to get beside you. I want my goodness to pass in front of you. So God, just do that here right now. We love you and we seek you. Let your Holy Spirit fall in this place as we cry out in our spirits, Yahweh, Yahweh. And Lord, as we move to this time of where we give back to you through offering and tithe, your offering and our tithe, we ask that you bless them, those gifts to further your ministry here and around the world. And for others who are visiting, again, you're our guest and we, we just want you to just seek and receive Yahweh as he passes by and his goodness, and his love, and his compassion, and his grace. And there's people here who'll pray with you and be there with you. But Lord, send your spirit in Jesus' name. your 
Go ahead and clap for him. Um, so just remember, this week, you're going to be filled with a lot of things. You feel like God, hey, you're going to do anything. Just remember, Yahweh, I am. I am. He doesn't change. He doesn't change, and he loves you regardless of anything. All right? Tell somebody, good seeing you. See you next week. God bless. Have a great week. Stay dry, and it's going to get nicer today. All right, bye.